It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is A to Z with Mark Zinno, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. Good afternoon. Welcome to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, where today I tell you it's not all about what you see first. Welcome in. We are live here on this Friday. Appreciate everybody finishing up their week with A to Z right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. Big show to get to today. Of course, we get a Hawks game tonight. Pardon my yesterday missing that the game was tonight, but it is tonight. And my theory still stands the same, by the way. Need to show out tonight for the Hawks. Need to see a big, big, big performance from the Hawks. And Chris Kirshner of The Athletic is going to join us next segment as we break down that game from start to finish as the Hawks try to get back into this series down in Miami 02. Of course, uh, Braves starting a new series down in Miami. So uh, we've got a lot to get to here today. And I want to start with the Falcons, because after talking to Mike Rothstein of ESPN, ESPN.com, and from the Perch podcast yesterday, and by the way, next week, we're going to do draft coverage every single day, Monday through Thursday, leading up to the draft, including Friday as well. So it's going to be a heavy draft week. But there's one more note I wanted to make about the Falcons draft. And Mike Rothstein and I talked a little bit about this yesterday um, in going back and forth and understanding that while everybody has a focus on what the Falcons are going to do at eight and I have my opinions and you have yours and everybody seems to feel what is the, you know, what may be the best thing for them to do. And I've said repeatedly that for me, this is about, you know, the organization telling me what their plan is for the future. Right. And I understand that what their plan is for the future. And I think we'll be very telling by what they do at eight. Now that said, um, I have led you all astray in saying that, partially because in reality we have to look at the draft for its totality for every single pick that they make regardless of whether it's a sixth or seventh round pick or a first and two second round picks the draft and building a roster altogether is in its totality and it is misleading to put all of the weight on one pick on what they do with their first round pick well, why do we do this? I'll explain why we do this. Because the first round of the NFL draft has now become a single, sole, solitary TV event. It's all we focus on. It's what 90% of people watch about the NFL draft. Most people don't even tune in for day two and day three anymore. Uh, and so this is a completely different experience. And we've absorbed what round one means because it's got all the glamour, all the glitz, all the glory, everything about the NFL draft. But the problem is, again, is that when you're viewing what a team does and, and how good they are, how bad they do in the draft, you have to look at the entire draft. Think of it this way. Fellas, okay, and ladies, if you see a member of the opposite sex that you are attracted to, if you see another human being that you're attracted to, and you look at them, and you're like, wow, you know, did you do the eyes bug out of the head? They're like, whoa. You know, you're almost so taken aback by how attracted you are to this person you know, you just stop in your tracks and that's all fine and good. And that is the initial, right? That is the first glimpse, the first catch of, oh my God, I'm in love. However, you kind of got to get a little bit past that, right? You kind of have to go into a little bit of the, uh, you know, 
do we get along? Do we have the same likes and dislikes? Are you smart? Are you dumb? Can we have fun together? Can we laugh? Like you have to find out all those other things. Getting past the looks. You got to get past the looks of the first round pick and look at the entire draft. And there is evidence to show how important that is. And oh, by the way, and everybody knows, I kind of got a soft spot for the previous GM because uh, I think he did a really good job. But, you know, rounding out an entire draft really is the mark of a good GM. Finding those day two and day three picks that matter, especially the day three ones. ESPN.com ranked all of the draft picks from 2012 through 2021 over the last decade. Now, nine of those years were Thomas Dimitrov. Last year was Terry Fontenot. On the macro, um, when you look at day three picks, rounds four through seven, if you look at the teams that were the highest in value in day three picks in rounds four through seven, I'm going to read them off to you. Number one, Packers, not surprising. Number two, Patriots, not surprising. Number three, Ravens, not surprising. Number four, Washington football team slash commanders. And number five, yes, folks, number five, your Atlanta Falcons. Ah, so before you throw all slander, uh, my, my good friend Thomas Dimitrov's way, understand that the team was competitive for a better part of that stretch because of names like Jonathan Masakwai, Kamal Ishmael, Devontae Freeman, Grady Jarrett, Demontre Campbell, Demonte Casey, Russell Gage. You know, those are all fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh round picks that the Falcons got. Now, you could argue again, the Peter Conses of the world, the Rashid Hagmans, the Jalen Collins, the Marlon Davidsons, like, you know, they all kind of stink. Yeah, they do. I get it. Uh, and it brings it down. But it balances out. And, and I only bring that up again just to show everybody that day three in rounds four through seven matter to the totality of what the Falcons are going to build. So regardless of what they do at one, where I still hold, by the way, that if they draft a wide receiver, I'm going to be hopping mad, screaming mad. And I will roast this organization until the day I will, I will blast that pick because out of principle, it's just there are so many more pressing needs than wide receiver. But I will say again that the totality of what they put together for this draft, I think, is super important. And that really is the measure. As we head into next week and we start to dissect to the nth degree every single thing about every single team and how they're going to handle the first round, remember, especially for a team like the Falcons that is in a rebuild, shh, don't tell them, uh, that's in a rebuild that they need to get the entire draft right and find good quality picks throughout it all. I mean, we're sitting here looking at a Falcons team right now who currently, who their best player, best player by a considerable margin and most accomplished player by a considerable margin is a fifth-round pick in Grady Jarrett. Those guys are out there. They can be found. Uh, and you just got to get them right. You really, really, really got to get them right. Um, the A.J. Terrells of the world, bam, home runs. Absolutely. Great first-round picks. Awesome. We hope Kyle Pitts turns into the same. But day three of the draft is really where the, the really good GMs make their money. And oh, by the way, I'd just like to point this out. And it's not slander. It's just an observation. Um, when you look at the uh, New Orleans Saints, yeah, they were fifth to last in four through seven round value. And I want to bring it up because Terry Fontenot 
came from the Saints. Let's see what happens. Let's hope it changes. One more quick note on the Falcons, and then we'll get to the Hawks. One more quick note. Uh, I saw that veteran safety Earl Thomas wants to come back and play. This, if I was the Falcons, I would look into. If there is a veteran league minimum that he could get, I would call him and say, look, this is all we can offer. Here's the veteran league minimum. This is what our cap space is. We'd love you to come play here and mentor these guys and teach them. I think that's a smart move. I, I generally do. Like, forget everything else that he did. Dean Peace loves safeties like Earl Thomas. And he's always had them. He's always had high-level safeties like that. Is Earl Thomas a high-level safety anymore? Probably not. Is he going to make a huge impact, impact on this defense? Probably not. Is he there to, uh, you know, show younger players how to play and how to prepare and everything else? In part, yeah. It's not like he's got to put his arm around him and tell him how to do all this stuff. But he is there to say, this is how I do it, kid. Watch me. And they all watch and learn. I'd investigate. I'm not saying 100% I do it, but... 33-year-old Earl Thomas, who wants back in football for Dean Peace, might be a good match, especially since he can't ask for much given all of his past troubles. Might be worth a look for the Atlanta Falcons. You heard it here first. All right, coming up next, Hawks, Heat, Game 3 tonight, must win for the Atlanta Hawks. Chris Kirshner of The Athletic will join us right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube. Search Locked On Sports Atlanta wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll be right back. Welcome back in to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast. search Locked On Sports ATL. Of course, follow me on Twitter at Mark Zinno, M-A-R-K-Z-I-N-N-O. You can follow Locked On Sports Atlanta at Locked On ATL. Keep up with all the great shows that we have here. Not only is it A to Z, but it's hitting hard with John Chuckery, ATL Day Ones with Jarvis Davis and Tanitra Batiste, our Braves postcast with Grant McCauley. Don't forget about Locked On Falcons with Aaron Freeman and Locked On Hawks with... Brad Rowland. Speaking of the Hawks, they have a kind of big game tonight uh, against the Miami Heat, kind of to save their season, because if you're going an 0-3 hole in the NBA, guess what? Your uh, your playoff lives are over. From the athletic beat writer covering the Atlanta Hawks, it's my good friend Chris Kirshner here on A to Z. Chris, welcome, brother. Great to talk to you, and thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, in an 0-2 hole, um, and you know, a lot of people have said, even yourself, have focused kind of on like what the Hawks haven't done, right? Like it was, oh, shots just weren't falling or Trey had 10 turnovers and all these other things. And I just look at it from the other perspective, Chris, and I go, Miami is just too good. Like they are objectively better than the Hawks at pretty much everything other than like, I, I guess, volume scoring, right? Like they, I give so much credit to what Miami has been able to do. Um, in keeping this Hawks team in the 105, 101 range, whatever it may be. I mean, their defense is just stifling and suffocating, and I don't know that the Hawks have an answer. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a good point. That's something that Trey Young actually touched on uh, yesterday at, at practice. He, he called it a chess match between him and Eric Spolstra. Well, the problem is, you know, Spolstra is one of the greatest coaches of all time he had a week to prepare for, for Trey, you know, they, they didn't have to play in the playing tournament. They're the number one seed. And he had a week to, to scheme for Trey. And what we've seen through two games is, you know, Spolster's winning that, that chess match in, in the first game, Miami was switching every single pick and roll and made, made life extremely difficult for Trey to do what he does best, which is, you know, getting that pick and roll, you know, find a find a lob threat. Well, the problem is, you know, their their better lob threat, Clint Capella, is out. So you didn't have that. And there's definitely a drop off between Clint and, and Yeko Kongu. 
you know, John Collins is hobbled. So you, you don't even have that level of lob threat that, that John is. So in the first game, you know, the, the, the amount of switching that Trey saw certainly led to a lot of problems that the Hawks had. They didn't really have many quality looks from the perimeter, the paint. It didn't matter, like, where they shot the ball. It was extremely difficult. And then in the last game, you know, Nate McMillan adjusted and had Trey come off the ball uh, way more than he did in, in game one. But it still was an issue. You know, Miami was getting into passing lanes. Atlanta had 19 turnovers, 10 of them from Trey. I mean, if you're going to be that sloppy um, as a team, you know, 19 turnovers against the number one seed in the conference, it's just not going to get the job done. And I think it was kind of remarkable that the Hawks were even in that game late. It was a three-point game. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich got super hot in that fourth quarter. And the fact that they had 19 turnovers and, and were still in that game, I think gave the Hawks a little bit of confidence. Um weird to say, even with them down 2-0, that, that is something that McMillan actually touched on um, mm-hmm. at media today, that, you know, they were still in that game. So the fact that they're home, where they've been 20-3 and over the last 23 games um, since MLK Day when they beat Milwaukee at State Farm Arena, you know, they, they're feeling, you know, okay. Like, you know, they think they can win, but, again, I think Miami is, is just a better team right, right now. Yeah, and, and so – I mean, my thing is this, and look, I've said since game one, I, I'm worried. <laughs> like, I just, you know, I, I'm, and part of me wanted to chalk game one up to the travel. You know, they were in four cities in six days. They played three games in six days. I, I get it. They were tired. But even if, even the first half sample set bothered me because Miami was just on a different level. And then it bore itself out in game two. And, and I said after game two, look, I honestly don't give them a chance. I, objectively, I feel like a gentleman sweep is the best that they can hope for. Now, that said, if you want to be a big-time star and a big-time team and a big-time coach and a big-time organization, these are the games you have to show up for. Like, I, I don't care that the chips are stacked against Trey. And I don't have any doubt about Trey himself, Chris. Like, I think, you know, Trey obviously is a guy that, that you know, can elevate. There's no doubt about that at this point in his career. We've seen it. But still, I don't know that he's faced a defense at this level um, and even if you want to say it was Milwaukee last year, like there was so much house money they were playing with. I don't really think anybody really thought anything of it. So I, I look at the situation first real must win game for Trey to sort of, you know, cement, I don't want to say his legacy, but just kind of elevate his playoff stature. Am I overstating this moment for Trey, John Collins, Nate McMillan and the rest of the Hawks? Oh, I don't think so. Um, I think it's also just a different situation than what the Hawks had last season. Because, like you mentioned, it was a lot of money. Um, maybe not many people thought they were going to win that next series. I thought it was outrageous that many people thought the Knicks were going to win just because the Hawks are, are more talented than New York, and that you know transpired this season. You know, the Knicks definitely played over their heads last season. But for Trey, you know, when you look at just what the roster currently is, again, I mentioned Quinn Capella being out. John Collins is just nowhere near the the charm that we're used to seeing with both of his injuries to his foot and finger. So if Trey can deliver, you know, his all time performance, which I think he kinda has to at this point in order for the Hawks to actually have a chance to to win this series, I definitely think they can elevate his stature not only in, in the city of Atlanta, but nationally. You know, if he could beat this defense, obviously they're they're all keying in on him every single possession. 
if he can, you know, get that, you know, 30 point, highly efficient, you know, 10, 12 assists, and everybody's involved, and it's Trey that's the one organizing, which is which he usually is offensively. I, I certainly think it can, it can raise his level of just how um, respected he is. Because I know a lot of people in the city think, you know, Trey is, is disrespected by the media and, and whatever it is. I mean, the players in the league is talking with them. I mean, I'm, I'm traveling to all these arenas that I talk to, to executives, I talk to other players. Everyone knows Trey is really good. Right. Um, but if he can win with, like, the roster with the way it is, I mean, there's just no way anybody can doubt his skill set at this point. Just because, again, I, I do think that as it currently stands with the rosters, the way they are, Miami's fully healthy, Atlanta's not. If he can win against this this roster with how they're defending him, I, I just think it, it could definitely skyrocket his his value across the NBA. All right, uh, Chris, I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you to log out, log back in. Your audio is a little funky, so we're gonna I want because I have more that I want to talk to you about real quick in reference to the rest of the rest of the Hawks. So while he gets resituated, I do want to talk more about the rest of the complimentary scorers tonight because I think they are the ones that are really going to have Trey have to help Trey out when it comes to. You know, Trey Young, we put so much focus on him. We put so much uh, emphasis on what Trey can do, and and it's all on his shoulders. But in reality, he's going to have to find a way to get other people involved, and other people are going to have to have some sort of impact. I mean, I, I go back to, again, the game against Charlotte when you talk about the, the Hawks having not only Trey having a big night, but also Trey having a a – bunch of complimentary scores behind him. And I think Chris, I think we're good. You we'll try this again here real quick. Um, but to that point, you know, they have got to get other people around Trey going. And I know John Collins is hurt and it's his hand finger on his shooting hand and everything else, but you know, he got paid a big contract to show up in big moments. I, I want to give him a little bit of a pass, but on the other hand, I don't because this is what you're here for, man. Like I, I need a 20 and 10 out of John Collins tonight. And if he's not able to do it, and I would question what he's on the floor for because, you know, somebody else, it's got to be more than Trey and one other guy. It's got to be two or three other guys if they have a shot. Yeah, I definitely understand. I mean, I, I wrote a story on, on John um, Friday morning on The Athletic about just where he is physically. You know, his knuckle, uh, the ligament in his knuckle on his right finger, right ring finger is torn. Um, he had a PRP injection in his foot. He, he's just it is what it is at this point. Like he's out there and you kind of have to hope that he figures it out. But again, he's just not the level where you can expect a 20 and 10 uh, like we've seen out of John. You have to have hope that Bogdan Bogdanovich continues shooting the way he is. The Hawks have gotten nothing out of Danilo Gallinari in this series. Um, you know, you talk about big contracts, you know, he's getting over $20 million. Um, they've gotten nothing. And if, if Gallinari is not making shots, he's, uh, negative because he doesn't defend well. Um, you know, you, you have to hope that Kevin Herter makes a lot of threes. And Yeka Kongo, you know, I, I think highly of his potential, but he's been a total non-factor for the Hawks in the series. I, I think he has five points and 11 rebounds in 40 minutes. Just not making the impact that you would hope. Uh, DeLon Wright is just, a, you know, he's a reserve. I think he does good things when he's on the floor, especially defensively, but, you know, he's not going to be your 20-point scorer that you might be looking for. So, again, like I said, the roster is what it is right now. Um, you kind of have to hope that all these guys play over their heads. Um, yeah. So, I think I'm I think I'm frozen. 
No, I, I, I you're you're still good. And, and to to that point, you know, I I, I don't want to make too many grand gestures about you know where this team is headed. But if you kind of get swept or get gentlemen swept out of this, you know, objectively, and I talked about this too, like during the play, and if they got knocked out of the play-in tournament, um, you know, what's the future of this team? Because objectively, right now, like you are the at best, the fifth best team in the East, right? I mean, behind Philly, Milwaukee, Boston, uh, Miami, like, you know, you could you could make an argument you could be better than Toronto. I mean, certainly Cleveland. You know, I think that's their – you know, it's Brooklyn. If you're even forgetting about Brooklyn. I mean, for crying out loud, like it's tough to even say that they are any closer to a championship. And if they get swept, is it too early to say they need to make some sort of major changes to make this team better? Because all of a sudden, the East is the wrong conference to be in. That's something that Trey has talked about really all season long, is the fact that they're kind of, um, you know, the, the Eastern Conference has gotten way better. It's, it's better than the Western Conference. Um, and the Hawks were ninth in, in, the, in the East this season. They needed two wins in the playing tournament to advance to, to get the eighth seed. So for the Hawks, um, if they do get swept or if it's, you know, if they're over in five games, Travis Schlenk, the general manager, has to look at this roster and be like, okay, is this core good enough to win a championship? And in my opinion, I, I don't think it is. Um, you know, you kind of have to hope for a lot of internal growth to get to that level where you're on Miami's level or Milwaukee or, or Philly or, or Brooklyn, even, even Brooklyn is a seventh seed. Um, so with where the Hawks stand right now, I don't think this team is a championship contender and you just can't run it back again with this roster. Right. Um, you just, you just can't, if, if, if they get swept or if it's five games, you, you, you can't bring everybody back. You have to make changes. You know, Tony Ressler, Travis Schlenk, they both said that, that, you know, the goal is to win titles and with the roster, the way it is, I don't think you're very close to winning a title. You need a second star. You need better defenders. You need guys who can create and, and get their own shot. You don't really have a lot of these guys on this roster. So when you look at it that way, uh, I think that even if this goes six games or seven games and, and they lose, like you, you still need you know significant changes to get on that level where you, you are one of the, the better teams in the conference. Chris Kirshner of The Athletic, beat writer covering the Atlanta Hawks. Great to talk to you as always, brother. Uh, enjoy the game tonight. Try to uh... – you know, get a Hawks victory for us. But I certainly appreciate you joining me, brother. Thanks a lot. All right. Uh, we will take a time out, come back, wrap things up here on this Friday. Get you set for the weekend right here on A to Z on Locked On Sports Atlanta, free on YouTube, wherever you get your podcast search, Locked On Sports Atlanta. Welcome back to A to Z here on Locked On Sports Atlanta. I'm Mark Zeno. Thank you guys so much for spending a Friday with me as we have a big weekend of sports coming up here. Uh, interesting. The Hawks are playing Miami and the Braves are playing Miami. So there's a lot of Atlanta, Miami, uh, you know, back and forth here this weekend. But I wanted to take a quick second here as we uh, close things up on this Friday to go over the NBA playoffs uh, and where we are, because I think there are some interesting things as we head into uh, this weekend. You got three more matchups tonight. We know all about Atlanta and Miami. I'm not going to spend time on those. But Milwaukee and Chicago, maybe the most surprising split um, in the first round, the fact that Chicago was able to steal one away from the Milwaukee Bucks, the defending champs, and Milwaukee's offense has not been 
what we have used to seeing from Milwaukee's offense. This this Bucks offense, the last dozen games of the regular season, even the final game of the regular season when they didn't start anybody, they averaged 119 points per game over their final dozen games. I'm waiting for that offense to show back up. And uh, it hasn't shown up in this in this playoff round yet. Uh, I'm expecting a huge breakout game from the from the Bucks offense tonight. They won't have Chris Middleton. He's got an MCL sprain, so he's not going to be there. And part of me even thinks that may even help them in a strange way. Uh, just feed Giannis, man. Like, don't stop. Giannis should have like a 35-point night. Chicago's defense is bad, and they've played over their heads in the first two games and being able to limit Milwaukee's offense. And so uh, I don't think they'll get another 41-point night from DeMar DeRozan. Uh, but I think Milwaukee uh, reasserts themselves. They better. Otherwise, th- this series could be trouble for them. If they can't come out tonight and put a stamp on this win and take home court advantage back, uh, I, I will start to be a little bit concerned. And not that all of you are into the betting thing like I am, but Milwaukee was the heaviest favorite um, to win in ra- round one. That, that includes one seeds over eight seeds. Milwaukee was the heaviest favorite in round one to win uh, because of the disparity between them and the Bulls. And they're in a one-one split, sort of in a big game coming up tonight in Chicago. The other big split that was kind of surprising was seeing uh, the New Orleans Pelicans steal a game from the Phoenix Suns, and they head back to New Orleans in a one-one tie. The reason why, and Devin Booker got injured in Game Two. I'm not 100 sure of his status for Game Three yet, but you know, uh, the, the reason why New Orleans is viable is just because their offense is so high-powered. Ever since C.J. McCollum got there, they just played a lot faster. They get up and down quicker. They're scoring a lot more points. You know, you get a lot more guys involved in the offense. Brandon Ingram has, has been, you know, a great point guard for them. I, I think that is absolutely a uh, a scenario where, uh, you know, New Orleans is only going to win games that go over the total, right? They're only going to be able to win games that are high scoring. They're not going to be able to win games that are low scoring. Uh, Phoenix's defense is too good. So they're going to have to find a way to score on that defense uh, and be able to push the pace enough that they can win a shootout, so to speak, uh, pun intended, I guess, and 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 win that style of game because I don't think they'll be able to win a, a 105-101 kind of game. It's just not, not where they are. And then on Saturday, uh, Philadelphia looks to close out Toronto. Uh, I was surprised. Again, I was somebody who backed Toronto in the series. I thought maybe Philadelphia might fall, fall flat on their face. I think all the pressure was on Philadelphia. They have just played to a completely different level. Joel Embiid is like a monster right now. Good for him. Uh, good for him 100%. So Philly's going to go on to beat Toronto and move on, and they'll actually get the winner of the Hawks-Miami. So uh, that could be headed next. Dallas won their game last night. All of this without Luka Doncic, by the way, uh, because Utah is incredibly disappointing all across the board. Boston and Brooklyn play game three with the Nets in an 0-2 hole heading back home. Let's see how this thing goes. You could argue that that Brooklyn could have won the first two games and been up 2-0. I think that's fair. Uh, you can't have Kevin Durant go 0 for 10 in the second half uh, and Kyrie go 1 for 7. You can't have 1 for 17 for your two biggest players in the second half of a basketball game and expect to win. Those guys have got to get going, especially Kevin Durant. Uh, Memphis and Minnesota. Memphis last night had what can only be defined as a series-saving comeback. Down by, I think it was 18. Uh, they go on a 21-0 run in the fourth quarter to start the fourth quarter, and Minnesota blows one at home. And so, yeah, uh, that's going to be <laughs> ugly for the Timberwolves to recover from. And, and and it'll be curious to see if they, they can recover and tie this thing up uh, because, to me, that would be a huge, huge emotional lift for them after what happened to them last night. Um, and then, of course, on Sunday, Hawks are playing again. They actually get a late start on Sunday night, a 7 o'clock game 
against Miami. So um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And, oh, by the way, Golden State's going to sweep Denver. So uh, Golden State, look, if Phoenix continues to struggle, um, Golden State, to me, looks incredibly strong right now. And, like, playoff Steph, if that's such a thing, you know, playoff Steph Curry, like, if he's back in the in, in the mood here, uh, looking like his old self, it's going to be really, really, really tough uh, to get Golden State out of these playoffs because the defense is really, really good. Really good. Uh, but it's a great time to sit back, relax, and enjoy some NBA playoffs. A lot, a lot of fun. Uh, next week coming up, we will dive heavily into the draft. Uh, we're going to be joined by D. Orlando Ledbetter. Uh, we'll talk to Dave Cho Cho to the Falcoholic. We'll have Aaron Freeman of uh, Locked On Falcons back on. So we have so many people coming on the show. I think even Steve Weiss from the NFL Network is going to try to stop by at some point next week before the draft kicks off. Uh, I want you guys to stay locked in, pun intended, right here to A to Z. Going to have some of the best coverage around here in Atlanta. I thank you guys so much for choosing Locked On Atlanta and A to Z as part of your daily regimen. Please continue to follow me on social at Mark Zeno, both on Twitter and Instagram. I tweet out all the links to the show um, and everything else, and I'd love to interact with you guys. So please don't hesitate to reach out to me and uh, and tell me what you think. Tell me what you like about the show, what you don't like, and I will certainly uh, heed all of your advice. I promise. Maybe. Anyway, uh, don't forget to follow us on Twitter as a network, Locked On ATL, uh, and keep up with all the great shows here. And certainly, guys, thank you so much. Have a great weekend. Wishing you guys nothing but the best. Let's go Hawks and uh, let's get Braves back above 500 and everybody will be happy. Thanks for making A to Z with me, Mark Zeno, your first listen every day. Now make your second listen, Hitting Hard with John Chuckery. Get the Atlanta Sports Talk with John Chuckery every day and anytime with a real fan's take on Atlanta sports. Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, free and available on YouTube. Wherever you listen to podcasts, search Locked On Sports Atlanta. You guys have a great weekend. Don't take any crap from anybody. See ya. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.